So we are looking at this controversial passage in Romans chapter 7 where Paul says, for, I, um, for what I am doing I do not understand, for what I will to do that I do not practice. And we're trying to understand what this means and whom it refers to and what its significance is to us. So do join me as we explore this. Thank you. Colin Cook here and how it happens, a broadcast on the good news of the gospel and how the heart of our God and Father through his Son and the communication of all this and empowerment by the Holy Spirit enables us to trust him with our eternal life, to trust that he has taken away our judgment and our sin um, upon himself. He has taken that judgment so that you and I can be free to love him without fear and without shame and guilt. And as we grow in that kind of way, we have room in our hearts to care for other people instead of being endlessly obsessed by ourselves and our own condition and plight. Well, listen in any time of the day or night to this program. Uh, You can do so on your smartphone. Simply download a free app. That could be Spotify or Podbean or SoundCloud and key in how it happens with Colin Cook when you get there. Also on uh, Google Podcasts and uh, Google Chrome. Or you can listen to the broadcast on the radio at 10 o'clock in the evening, repeated at 4 in the morning, on KLTT AM 670 in the Denver and Colorado and surrounding states areas. So Paul is describing... Freedom from the law, dead to the law. A a strange concept at first as we think of it because the law points to the good life and the obedient life and calls upon us uh, to conform or to harmonize with God's law. And yet, Paul is telling us to die to it. Well, he's, he's telling us that because of this strange relationship that exists between between the law and our sinful nature. Our sinful nature is stirred up by these commands that threaten uh, judgment or death um, if we should not conform to them. And that uh, stirring up creates more guilt and more fear and more shame, which leads us to running from God, hiding from him, and going into our own dark spaces, and the only comfort in those dark spaces is, of course, further sin, to comfort us. Now, Paul explains this in a much more personal way in the passage we're about to look at. And he says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. We talked about that last time, that it is the law that is spiritual that goes right to the core of issues, And the heart, it's not about external matters. And the problem is that the law is spiritual, but we are carnal people. We are uh, corrupted. We have an inclination downwards towards the sin whirlpool. Um, We do not uh, have a naturally uh, good nature. Uh, So if we are left to our uh, guilt and shame and fear, it will simply draw us further down into the drag. So with that dynamic existing, Paul now can make it much clearer by this very personal uh, description of the problem. And here it is. For what 
I am doing I do not understand, but what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. My goodness, what a conflict here. Here's a situation where uh, we have cognitive dissonance. We know what is right cognitively, we know what is good, uh, but there is a dissonance, a, dis a disharmony between what we know is good and what we actually desire to do and actually do. We do evil. Now, who is he talking about here? As I mentioned uh, to you the other day, uh, there has been a controversy over this passage throughout the centuries. Many people uh, are arguing among one another, debating whether this is Paul before his conversion or after his conversion. And some say, how could Paul say that about himself if he's a Christian? Surely not. This is pre-conversion. And then others say, no, this is exactly what does go on in our Christian life. This is post-conversion. Well, first of all, I do want to say that I don't think Paul is talking about his personal experience. I think he is talking generically. He is using the I here, uh, the, the pronoun of I, to, um, to identify the whole human race. This is a generic description. It is obviously the case because Paul is talking about mankind all the way through this book so far and actually farther on all to the end. He's talked in Romans 5 about every uh, the whole world being under the power of sin and uh, uh, because of Adam and uh, the world then being redeemed because of Christ the second Adam you remember 5 chapter 5 verse 18 therefore as through one man's offense judgment came to all men that is the one man's offense being Adam and Eve and resulting in the condemnation of the whole human race because they all came under the power of Adam's kingdom of sin and death, even so through one man's righteous act, that is Christ's, the uh, free gift came to all men because Christ imputed all his righteousness to the world. He did it on their behalf, resulting in justification of life. So Paul is talking in extremely broad and large, uh, far-reaching terms. And that's the whole context, as I say, of uh, the, uh, the uh, chapter here in chapter 7. Furthermore, Paul is talking about life in the kingdom of grace, how it is free from the wrath and judgment of God, chapter 5, free from the identity and judgment of sin, chapter 6, free from the judgment of the law, chapter 7, and free from the power of death, which is also a judgment, uh, chapter 8, because we are now, the world, counted in the righteousness of Christ. So these are, these are the large, far-reaching contexts in which Paul uh, places this subject that he's dealing with. So, as the generic man, he's saying, "I do for I, for what I am doing, I do not understand." Now, I believe this is the converted man, and I will give you the reasons for that. But I will also show you why some people think it cannot be the converted man. I believe it's the converted man because 
the message of the book of Romans, among uh, several other major messages, is that Christ's righteousness is imputed to us. That is, it is charged to our account. Uh, remember, Paul says, God justifies, that is, declares innocent, the ungodly who trust in him. That's Romans 4 verse 5. And he, he points right back to Abraham and says that Abraham, uh, quotes the book of Genesis, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him, accounted to him as righteousness. And he says that is that will be the same for us because he says um, uh, in that same chapter, uh, therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness now it was not written for his sake alone, but that it was imputed to him, accounted and imputed, the same words in the Greek, but also for us it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised Jesus from the dead. Now, if God counts us as righteous when we are not intrinsically, innately, naturally righteous, do you get that? Then this is an explanation for why it is that we do what we don't want to do. Because, you see, we are still sinners. That's why we have to be counted as righteous. We have to be counted as righteous because we're not naturally righteous. We do not understand ourselves. We... Um, do not do what we want to do. Let me read it again. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that is, I desire to do, that I do not practice. Now, this is in harmony, as I say, with the teaching of righteousness by faith. We are counted as righteous because we're not intrinsically righteous. And that is consistent with this teaching that what I am doing I do not understand for what I will to do, what I really want to do, that I do not practice. Now, don't get nervous here and think, well, are you saying then that a Christian is just the same as any old, uh, any Joe Blow out there um, and just does his thing just as the world does? No, I think there's plenty of evidence for growing in grace, for uh, increasing in the sanctified life, but still, even as we do, we find that there are plenty of areas where we know we ought to do better or do this or that, and we don't do it. There is a difference in the fruitage of a person who is a tree of righteousness, as the Psalms would call it, uh, and a tree of wickedness. But still, there is a natural bent in all humanity, as well as Christians, that is downward because of their sinful nature. But there's another reason also. Um, to think that this is the converted man. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that is what I desire and wish and make a decision to do, I do not practice. So here we see a conflict, a conflict between the spirit and the flesh. 
Now let me ask you, where is that conflict in an unconverted person? There is no such conflict in an unconverted person. What he does is what he desires to do. His actions are completely commensurate with his broken, fallen, sinful, lustful desires. He is in harmony with himself, as it were, to some extent. Of course, not totally by any means, because the Spirit is continually sort of um, prodding him, shall we say. But here is a man who has desires to do great and good things, but he can't seem to pull it off. And I think that is a description of the Christian life. Now, when we grow, and as we grow, and as we mature and find more discipline, we do great things or greater things for the Lord than we would ever have done without him. But still we will be looking back on our lives and saying, Oh, woe is me, I trust only in the mercy of Christ because I wanted to do so much more for God than I ended up finally doing. And we will enter the kingdom of God out of his mercy for us, even though we may have done many wonderful works for him. And so, you see, this is the converted man because it is the conflicted man. It is the man who has the Spirit of Christ, and yet he carries about the flesh. And that is something you and I need to understand so that we don't get all bent out of shape and so discouraged we walk away because we say Christianity doesn't work. Of course, the faith life works, but it is still in conflict with the flesh. Your donations would be appreciated to keep the program on the air. Now this program is in its 24th year, and uh, the program costs $39 per broadcast. So if you'd like to make a donation, please send it to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160, or you can make your donation online at faithquestradio.com faithquestradio.com. Thanks so much for all your support. I do appreciate it, and I'll see you next time. Cheerio, and God bless.